HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardin.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. Welcome to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. I am Laura Stanley. Uh, So I've recently become interested in programs that bring locally harvested and processed fish into school cafeterias. Uh, So today I'm going to be sharing with you one of several programs that I've explored in depth. Um, And this one is from the Monterey Peninsula Unified School District in Monterey, California. Personally, I love fish, but I don't buy it more than a couple of times a month out of concern for the state of our depleted fisheries. So it's been exciting to learn about the work of pioneering districts around the nation that are supporting local fisheries that operate sustainably. Um, Local fish purchasing programs are also strongly focused on supporting local economy. They're modeled after farm to school and are variously called sea to school, boat to school, fish to school, etc. The Monterey program gets the prize for the best name. It's Bay to Tray. Um, I grew up on fish sticks at home and at school. I think a lot of us did. Uh, Back in my day, they were made from chopped and formed cod. These days, it's pollock. Uh, Most of the fish served in American schools is breaded commodity pollock pressed into sticks and patties. Um, Now, I'm not here to bash fish sticks. I really still like them, especially with ketchup and tartar sauce. Uh, But the districts I've been talking to are exposing kids to fish in other forms that are more recognizable as fish. Uh, For instance, in Oyster River, New Hampshire, students eat local redfish fillets whole with the skin still on. Um, In Monterey, where students are already enjoying Pacific Grenadier, uh, Director of Nutrition Services Jen Gerard is hoping to add squid to her menus. Yes, she is. And there is no disguising squid. So a little bit about Jen. Uh, She's a registered dietitian, and she's been at the helm in Monterey for more than three years. She's the youngest person serving as a food service mentor for the California Healthy Kids Resource Center. Um, And if you don't know what that is, by the way, join us in April for a whole episode on the topic. Um, Jen is a passionate advocate of local purchasing and scratch cooking, as you're about to hear. 
And then after station break, we'll be speaking with Jen's Bay to Tray supplier and program partner, Alan Lovewell of Local Catch Monterey Bay. So good morning, Jen. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks, Laura. Great to be here. So let's start out uh, by learning a little bit about your district. Great. So Monterey Peninsula is, uh, we're about 10,400 students, and we actually serve the communities of Monterey, Seaside, and Marina, California. Mm -hmm. Um, We are a very diverse district, so um, lots of Hispanics, obviously, but also um, lots of Pacific Islander, Asian, um, Italian families make up a lot of our Monterey schools. Um, So quite a bit of lots of different... um, ethnicities and, and different um, families, and we're about 69% free and reduced mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're also in the heart of the Salinas Valley, which is a you know, famously uh, fertile agricultural region, right? Right. We're a little bit removed, um, but we're, you know, it's definitely our neighbor mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of location. And, and so you, you've taken advantage of that and, and established a pretty strong local purchasing program with your, with your produce, right? Yeah, I think by just the nature of um, the Salinas Valley, we tend to, you know, just have access to a lot more of the, the local produce. So it's been, we haven't had an official um, baseline mm-hmm. done on, on the percentage. We're actually embarking on that this year. Right. Um, right. But we've estimated to be about 40% of our produce is, is from within a 150-mile radius. That's impressive. Um, and I know that you're a participant in the California Thursdays program. Um, so your fishing industry goes way back, and its historic significance is very evident to those of us who have visited Monterey as tourists or read John Steinbeck. Um, a lot of people in your school community are pretty closely tied to fishing, right? Yeah, so we have quite a bit of um, our staff, so our kitchen managers or um the assistants that are um, come from the fishing families or married to fishermen, their sons are fishermen, um, and they just they just have the best stories. You know, they, you kind of sit back and relax, and they start to unravel these just beautiful tales of um, their father and going home for lunch when they were um, in school for anchovies and pasta. And, mm. um, so yeah, it's it's still it's quite a big um, part of just even our department. Right, right. Um, and so that gives you a pretty powerful motivation. Um, and what are your other, you know, what, what else is in local seafood for you? I'm sorry? You know, what are your other motivations? So you've got, you've got your school community very tied to it. But, you know, there's also just kind of the presence of the sea and your commitment to local. I mean, just tell us a little bit about what's behind it for you. Yeah, so we, um, we really wanted to expand local beyond just, you know, the whole farm to school produce efforts and um, particularly in the proteins, um, to getting high quality proteins is, is really important um, to me and, and for, you know, food systems reasons and health reasons. And so we um, really wanted to focus on fishing aspects, particularly because of the local heritage here and students are, you know, viewing the Monterey Bay outside their classroom windows. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, just, but once we started looking, we realized that local fish was kind of an oxymoron, and that, um, you know, a lot of it is not even staying within Monterey Peninsula, within um, this area, and so it really kind of took some, um, a couple of years and a lot of conversations to even start to, you know, really have any access to, to an actual product. 
Right. You told me that when kids go to the supermarket in, in your region, they're not seeing locally caught fish. Right. Or even the restaurants here. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. times um, we have, you know, people come visit or even residents that live here that go out to some of the restaurants and um, think that they're getting this fresh local fish when in reality it's coming from a lot farther away. And our fish that we are catching here is um, going other places, possibly even to China for processing and mm-hmm. coming back here. So it's, it's really this... Um, huge irony that uh, even getting locally caught fish is almost impossible here unless you you really know how to navigate um, and really really know what you're looking for and have the connections. Right, right. And that's what you're here to talk about. Um, so once you decided you wanted to do this, you know, what did you do first? Um, so we started just kind of um, looking for who we could talk to. And as you might imagine, um, fishermen and fish people aren't the most you know, they're not marketing, they're not advertising themselves, they're not the most readily available. So it was, it's, it's almost kind of got this um, cloud of secrecy uh, veil around it. So um, we started talking, so I went with some of my um, managers to try to talk to their family, their cousins, and, you know, their, you know, they're big Italian families. So mm. trying to, um, you know, reach out to their family members and, you know, they're all, passing me on to the boat owners and so I tried to talk to the boat owners and there was just a lot of a lot of miss um, a lot of phone calls that didn't get returned and uh, I think the distributors that we talked to weren't really interested in us because we weren't um, we we just wanted to pilot we just wanted to kind of um, get our, some our hands on some fish that we could just see if what the kids like see mm-hmm. if they um, totally turn their nose up or if they you know even um, liked it. And so no one was really interested in, in talking to us or helping us out because we weren't, you know, a solid account where they could just unload a whole boat of fish right. and we would take it all. So um, it probably took, I mean, that was the greater part of two to three years where there was just no really, really interested in having a conversation with us. Um, and so that's when we were introduced with Local Catch and Alan and his partners, and they've just been incredible because this kind of aligns with their values and them, you know, trying to find different markets for these local fishermen. So it's really been a really great um, partnership. And Yeah, I'm looking forward to having Alan on in the second half of the show to tell us about that because it seems what he said to me is that he's learning a heck of a lot from you about institutional purchasing, especially for K-12. And, and you're learning about um, local food systems from him with regard to the fisheries because it did sound like you you know, you kind of needed someone who was already involved in some way. Um, and so uh, when you first approached Alan, he told you he had this kind of fish called Pacific Grenadier. Have you ever heard of it? I had never heard of it, no, because it's, um, and what I've found out, I, I mean, it's a fascinating species, too, and um, so it's been kind of really fun to learn more about it, but I had never heard of it, um, and it's, at the time, it wasn't really... Um, it's not a fish that you see on, you know, in your fish markets mm-hmm. or on a menu. You know, it's really something you haven't seen, but it's a great fish. And it's really nice and light and white, firm, kind of um, flavorful fish. So um, it's kind of cool. So basically what happened is we started kind of exploring price points and, um, you know, conversations about what we actually have to spend on a meal in school, school, meal, school meal programs. Um, which, as you and your listeners know, it's 
we have about a dollar twenty-five right. for our meals. Um, so that kind of kind of took him back, and he was like, "Well, I don't know what we can do because you know salmon's you know obviously out of the question, mm-hmm. and even the rock cod." And um, so it was actually one of Alan's ideas to explore this grenadier. I think he had just started working with a fisherman um, and started seeing it. And so what happens is it's typically caught as a bycatch Mm -hmm. in some other um, fisheries. But because there's no avenue for them to sell it, no retail avenue, they typically just throw it overboard because it's, you know, not worth anything to them. Right, Um, right. So we started exploring that. And then um, so it worked out really well for everyone because now the fishermen they're they're catching it anyway, and now they're able to sell it to us, and um, you know we're able to get a better price for it because it's not a highly sought after fish, but right. it, it works really well for our purposes. Yeah. So you face certain logistical hurdles in bringing in fresh fish. Um, so you've, you've you've had to work out a system, and you're still in the process of working it out. So just tell us what you did for the pilot, and what what worked out, and what turned out to be a problem. Um, so we piloted this last year, and we chose to go um, via the route of fish tacos because we figured that was kind of a gateway food for, for fish because um, who doesn't love a good fish taco? Mm-hmm. Um, and we figured that's the way most of our students were probably used to seeing fish um, and could really just get on board with, with that model. So um, we just decided to do it, you know, and um, we've – in the past, it applied for some grants in order to kind of get this up and running and hadn't received any of those funding. So um, got to the point where, you know, we just wanted to try it and just um, see what happened. So we um, got enough grenadier to, to make a few, uh, about 75 servings of the fish tacos. Um, we picked one of our high schools. We promoted it. Um, so we kind of put together this whole whole meal and put it out there, and it was just one of the entrees of the day, along with um, about four other items, including our homemade pizzas, um, which tend to be a typically pretty popular item. Sure, yeah. And um, so what we found was, A, it wasn't as difficult to prepare as we were kind of expecting. Um, It's kind of like cooking your fish sticks. You just put it on a tray, on a baking sheet, um, cook it at 325 for about 12 to 15 minutes, and it's already, you know, it kind of falls apart and you're able to just kind of, you know, rough chop it with a spatula mm-hmm. and it's ready to go. Um, so we were pleasantly surprised at kind of how, you know, it wasn't a lot of prep or um, a lot of um, skills needed to learn how to cook it. Um, and then we just assembled it and lunch started and they um, flew off the shelves. We ran out of, that was our first entree to run out of. Like I said, we've, we prepared about 75 entrees. So, so it's sold out um, over the pizza. We need to make that point. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the lunch service, we had you know, no fish tacos left and lots yeah. of pizza. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, you know, it's, it's, a good, it's a good pizza, homemade pizza. Um, so that was, that was really compelling. And we even had students coming in because they had seen other students eating the fish tacos. And, you know, students that we never, we never um, – in the cafeteria, they mm. started coming in because they had heard about it, and they're like, "Oh, do you have any more fish tacos?" And we're like, "No, sorry, we're out." Awesome. Um, so it was just—it yeah. was just really surprising. You know, we thought we'd have to sell it and really push it, but it, it sold itself really. Right. And then, what happened when you moved the pilot into the middle and elementary schools? Um, so that was the second second test 
because we knew um, high schoolers are you know, a little bit more um, cultured in their in their eating habits and exposed to more and more willing. So we thought, you know, let's if we really want to know if it's going to be something we really want to pursue, let's try it at the elementary schools. Um, so again, we did the same um, preparation for tacos, and we actually um, invited parents to come for kind of a special. We made it kind of a special day. Ah, nice. And, yeah. Um, decorated the cafeteria. We got lots of nuts and um, different stuff, and so. Um, same thing. So we started, we made, I think that day we made about um, 100 servings based on the bigger size of the elementary school. And um, and then we started with kindergarten and almost every kindergartner chose the fish tacos because we had a backup that day as well. Um, and then we actually sold out of them by second grade. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> so kind of, um, you know, that was surprising for us. We didn't really plan on that. So yeah. then... You know, the third, fourth, and fifth graders came through, and we had to just quickly scramble to get more food um, prepared. Um, but so that was really surprising for us too. That you know, the, even kindergartners were were choosing and, and eating the fish tacos. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but you've since um, decided to uh, menu the tacos only on a regular basis in the uh, upper schools at, because you've got some kind of logistical issues with the elementary and middle schools. And I think that's helpful for people to understand what you're working through. So tell us what's, what's going on right now. Yeah, so our model, um, we have um, our, all of our high schools are cooking, cooking kitchens. So they are actually um, preparing their own entrees there. So they're well-staffed, well-equipped. They have great kitchens. But our elementary schools are a different story. And they're, they're serviced more so um, from our essential kitchen. Mm-hmm. So our elementary schools don't have really the staff um, or cooking facilities to really um, assemble and prepare and do this, A, safely, or B, to the standard of quality that we really, um, you know, expect for our program. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a work in progress, um, particularly because with the fish tacos and the tortilla, um, because we use a corn tortilla, and they tend to um, fall apart and crack. So it really has to be done really close to service. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really just, I think we need some more time to um, roll it out there or figure out a different model of um, preparation and assembly, whether that's cooking the fish at the central kitchen and delivering it um, there to the schools just for the assembly piece, mm-hmm. um, or whether we have teach students how to assemble it at their at their tables. So um, just we're, we're waiting for a little more time to... Um, to fully launch it district-wide. But at, right now it's on our high school um, two-week cycle menu. So right. every other week they're eating local fish tacos. Yeah. So your experience really reflects what I'm hearing from other districts around the country that are um, experimenting with fish. And, and that is that with fish, it, it seems you really do need to um, assemble it closer to the point of service than you would with other foods. So that that's a you know just something to bear in mind when you're designing a fish program. So I wish you luck in figuring right. out the elementary um, menu with that. I know, I know you're yeah. very creative and you will think of something. <laughs> so, so looking <laughs> yeah, ahead, I, yeah, go um, ahead. Recipe testing, uh, just different ways and maybe even looking more of a fish bowl. So like mm-hmm. a, right. A, yeah, with rice and different stuff. So, right, right. Um, and I know that you're interested in, in kind of involving the school community more deeply in terms of like getting the culinary students in the Votech program to work on recipes and bringing fishermen into the classroom. So uh, that's kind of on your agenda, right? 
Yeah, definitely. So part of this whole program is not just to feed kids well, but also educate them, um, A, about fishing and, and local foods, and B, you know, kind of spark an interest in fisheries and, you know, not just from the research side, but actually hopefully even encourage some students to, to consider fishing because it's kind of um, saddening to see that it's not really, a, you know, a vocation that a lot of um, our generation is taking interest in. I think mm-hmm. the median age of fishermen is, is 60. Yikes. And yeah. you just see, you know, where it used to be a, a family would pass down a boat and all the permits, and it was just expected that the sons would, you know, kind of take over. I think that's not happening anymore. So um, it's also kind of in the hope that we inspire um, students to really consider that and, um, you know, hopefully that we can still continue to get good fish and maybe bring back some of the the harbor and the heritage that we used to have here. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to kind of do more of a full-scale educational program along with it and kind of get have students understand a lot more about the fish, whether it's through dissection and the science classes mm-hmm. or the culinary, culinary students developing recipes for us and kind of those different avenues where we can um, fully explore what it means Great. to have local fish. Well, best of luck with that, and I look forward to um, tracking your progress as you grow the program. Uh, yeah. So thank you, Jen. Um, we are going to go to station break now. We've been speaking with Jen Girard, Director of Nutrition Services for the Monterey Peninsula Unified School District, about her new Bay to Tray program that serves up locally harvested fish for school lunch. Um, stay with us because when we return, we're going to be talking about Bay to Tray from the supply chain perspective with Alan Lovewell of Local Catch, Monterey Bay. You're listening to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. And this break song is called Anxieties by the Landing. The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Welcome back to Inside School Food. I am so pleased to be finally talking about fish on the show. Um, And really, there's no better place to begin the exploration than beautiful Monterey Bay, which is home to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which is a global leader in ocean conservation research. Uh, But the local fishing industry, dominated by family business, uh, needs help, as we heard from from our previous guest, Jen Gerard. Um, And that is why our next guest is, uh, that is what our next guest is offering in the form of a new local supply chain that uses strategies that have worked so well for local agriculture. Um, Alan Lovewell is co-founder and CEO of Local Catch Monterey Bay, which is a 
community-supported fishery. That was new for me. Uh, CSF, taken off from some CSA. Uh, and that's and he serves Monterey, Santa Cruz, San Francisco, San Mateo, and Santa Clara counties. Um, Alan grew up on the water in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, and he is skilled at sailing and fishing and has very deep experience in marine policy and ocean conservation. He's worked with the Nature Conservancy and Conservation International um, all over in Indonesia and on the northwest and southwest coasts of the U.S. with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administrations, which most of us know as NOAA. Um, so, Alan, let's talk about the, the next phase of your career, Local Catch Monterey Bay. Um, when did you start it? Uh, Local Catch was a business plan project um, in graduate school, actually, in 2009. And so that was sort of when the idea um, came about. Uh, and it really was the result of having uh, seen and heard about the CSFs emerging in New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so when I was up there and learning about these fishing communities, really trying to take back uh, their supply chain and really uh, try to support their community and um, provide you know greater uh, social and economic benefits to their product, um, I realized that there was you know an opportunity to do the same thing in Monterey. Right. And, and so, you know, put together a, a, a team of business students and uh, policy students, and we wrote a business plan and, uh, you know, proposed it to some business competitions. And uh, when I finished up school in 2000, uh, 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. I ended up leaving, doing these fellowships, and came back, and people were still interested in the idea. So I knew that the idea sort of had um, sticking power. So right. to speak. And so, uh, so I realized that this is an opportunity um, that I need to fully explore. So the business launched in 2012, mm-hmm. and so we've been in operation actually to this week three years. Right. So right. Um, it's been an incredible experience, and in, in learning about the the seafood supply chain and and understanding you know the, the reasons why it is what it is because it, <clears throat> there's a lot of backwards things. On the surface, that you know, why are we shipping seafood to China and back? Mm-hmm. There's, there's things like that. Unless you get into the, the details of it, you would never understand, and it would never make sense. And and so for me, it's sort of getting a big picture about the seafood supply chain, but then also understanding well, how do we how do we work with it to, to you know cultivate stronger relationships in our community, right, right. And, and use use fish as a way to build um, a stronger sense of ocean awareness and, and community around our waterfront. Right, right. Let, let's talk about your local fishing community. Um, who are the fishermen and the local processors that are participating in your network? Um, so we're working with a, a few brothers, uh, the Dyer Lee brothers, and they're the ones that have been providing this Grenadier product in addition to uh, another fisherman by the name of Keith Walker. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, another fisherman who's a little bit more transient, and he goes, he works up and down the coast. But um, his name is Tony, and he's like, down in Morro Bay at this point. But um, you know, it was really a matter of talking to some of these fishermen and processors, and, and learning about the different products, and learning about what's happening to them, and why fishermen are fishing for them or not fishing for them, and and you know, what is the marketability or what is. Um, what are the you know flavor profiles or texture profiles of certain fish? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and so those guys, you know, have been contributing to the program. Um, again, recognizing that you know this product is something that is typically thrown overboard. Um, again, because no one no one really wants to develop a market for it. Right, um, and it doesn't demand a high price. So, so you're referring you know, to the Pacific Grenadier. Um, when it's thrown overboard, yeah. is is it still alive, or does some of it just get wasted? Um, a lot of it gets wasted. It's a deep water fish, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's coming from uh, basically deeper than uh, two thousand feet. So it, it's really, really down there, um, and it's caught in conjunction with the sable fish or black cod. Ah, uh, right. Right, right. And so the black cod, you know, that that demands a pretty good price um, in the market. And so, you know, these guys aren't they're looking to avoid the grenadier, but if they get some, um, you know, it's typically thrown overboard. But if they can, we can develop a market and keep it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and provide it to our community, then you know, we're sort of the win-win-win situation where the the fishermen will get economic benefit from it. Uh, the resource won't get wasted, mm-hmm. um, and our children will benefit from it. And it, you know, opens up the, the the table for conversation about fisheries and about management and about the industry and, and about conservation and all these things that are really you know important to sustaining a community and its and its uh, you know the economic engines that drive the the industry, but also the the cultural heritage that, that Jen was talking about in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the families and ensuring that children have access. Right, to, right. To and and your job. website really promotes, you know, promotes this greater agenda um, with profiles of each of the fishermen that you work with. So, you know, kids can actually go to your website and see the people that pull the fish out of the water that they had for lunch, which is very cool. Um, who, who's processing the fish for them? Because you, you, you managed to get that done locally as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, being done with uh, the Diarly Brothers and their business, Sea Harvest, and so mm-hmm. you know they've uh, they've been using the the, the species grenadier for their own uses. They have a few restaurants and they use it for their fish and chips, and so that's how they knew that it was a good fish, and that's how they knew that it was something that we could work with because you know they had been using it you know already. Um, I'm not sure in, in what volume, but certainly not the volume that what we're looking at here with, with the school districts. Um, and so it's, you know, in that conversation that they said, yeah, well, well we're going to process them for you then. So sure. uh, that's really how it came about. Right, right. And I have to say, but this morning before I came to the studio, I decided to Google Pacific Grenadier, like Google image. And um, All right. it's a, it's like a little dinosaur. It's like a little monster fish. Uh, very, very <laughs> ancient species, right? Yeah, no, so that's part of the reason why the market hasn't been developed around right. yeah. Google it. You know, it, some people, you know, call it ratfish. Some people call it squirrelfish. Yeah. I think it looks a little bit like a dragon. It like does. It's kind of prehistoric. So like, so yeah, I think it's, it's got that, that skinny, skinny tail. It's really exotic looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild and a big head on it. Yeah. Um, and so, we, ha- you know, it's, it's hard to, to market a, that fish, obviously, mm-hmm. because of that. It's not <laughs> yeah. like the charismatic salmon that's you know, swimming upstream right. in a river, you know, right. you know, it's, it's a deep water fish. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it's not quite uh, an appealing looking fish, but it's one, when you fillet it, you end up with a beautiful white fillet. Right. And, right. It's you delicious. Know, would, and the way we've been thinking about it is sort of like a wild tilapia, you know, it's uh-huh. like a lot of 
folks are now, you know, growing, become more aware of, you know, tilapia is becoming obviously quite present in our menus and our restaurants and uh, in our markets. And, and I would say that the the flavor profile and the texture are, are very similar to, to that fish. Right. Right, right. So that that is very cool. So, you know, this local fish, locally processed, whereas most of the fish taken out of the waters in your region is, as Jen said, going to China for processing and then being sent to markets overseas. Um, so this this is great. And and I guess you're learning a lot about K-12 through uh, food service now that you're involved with the Monterey Schools. Are you interested in building out this business and serving more schools in your area? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what I've learned through this process uh, is that it's, with, you know, when you establish these accounts with the, the school districts, um, it's very similar to our sort of subscription model that we're operating with with our consumers and our individuals and our families, right? They, they commit a month, two months, three months in advance for fish, and it provides a dependable demand for our our service. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're built. You know, we're not engaged in retail where we're you know, purchasing a bunch of fish and hoping that we sell it. Every fish that we get our hands on has been pre-sold. Right. So in that sense, with the, the school districts and, and potentially other institutional accounts, we've realized that the opportunity is, is the same. It's just a higher volumes, um, lower margins, obviously. But it is, you know, in line with our business model and, and how we create value, right? We are trying to take a very risky business, uh, especially when you try to bring it down to the local level and are trying to create more stability within that that system at the local level again. Mm-hmm. And, and so working with school districts, working with institutions is a great opportunity, uh, you know, to, you know, support our fishing industry. But then, as Jen articulated, it's, it's a fantastic way to bring this conversation full circle and engage our younger generation about the future of, our, of this resource that mm-hmm. if protected – should sustain indefinitely and but if you know the threat obviously is if we're not paying attention if it's not part of the conversation if our children aren't eating local fish if we're not seeing local fish in the markets the threat is that if this resource goes away no one will be paying attention because it's not part of of our day-to-day it's not part of right 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 what we're experiencing and so if we can get this experience to the children early get them to learn about it get them to engage in the conversation about how do we ensure that this resource continues, you know, to thrive and continue to be able to support our community, um, I think we've made, you know, significant traction towards, uh, you know, again, bringing this full circle and, you know, creating greater awareness. Yeah, yeah. Around, as you, as you said, a resource that is, is under threat at a global level, right? When we look at the global fisheries statistics, it's, it's, it's hard to find any glimpse of light, but I think... If we can nurture these things at the community level um, and support good behavior, support um, sustainable fish, um, conscious consumerism, conscious eating, these sorts of things, I think we, you know, we can make a pretty big impact. Well, you're you're making great headway, Alan. Um, I really admire the work you're doing um, with the Monterey. Um, Peninsula Unified District. So um, keep it up. And as I said to Jen, I'm really excited to hear how the program goes. This is really still in its infancy. So there's a lot of directions you can take. So thank you so much for sharing your story today. 
Um, so I, uh, I'm sorry, you have been listening to Alan Lovewell of Local Catch Monterey Bay, who joined us today to talk about Tray to Bay, a pioneering program that brings locally harvested fish to the students of Monterey Peninsula Unified School District. Um, so resource links for today's episode, including Alan's presentation at TEDx Monterey, uh, are available on today's show page at InsideSchoolFood.com. Uh, you've been listening to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. Um, listeners, are you following us on Facebook or Twitter? Have you signed up for our newsletter? Uh, if you're a regular listener, please let us know who you are by following one way or another. It really helps us. Uh, you can sign up on InsideSchoolFood.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher and get Inside School Food on your mobile device for listening on the go. And I am Laura Stanley. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. The theme song for Inside School Food is Numb by Tackstar. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>